You are locked on Redskins. Your daily Washington Redskins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Every day. Every day. All right, it is episode number 269 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. I'm your host, Chris Russell. Hope you had a great weekend. And guys, it's training camp week. That's right, Redskins training camp. The boys report Wednesday to the Bon Secours Washington Redskins Training Center in Richmond, Virginia. Conditioning. I think Jay Gruden will meet with media later that afternoon. And then the first official practice, Thursday morning. Uh, of course, free, open to the public. If you can make it down to Richmond, it's an early start if you're not going down there the night before. Uh, but, you know, if you hop on the road by 6 o'clock, you should have plenty of time uh, to get down there and beat whatever traffic uh, there might be, depending on where you're coming from in the northern Virginia, Washington, D.C., southern Maryland area, assuming that that's where you listen to the Locked on Redskins podcast. Now, if you listen across uh, over the sea, you know, overseas or whatever, uh, it's going to be a little bit hard. But we will keep you up to date as best we can. Uh, We will not be down there every day. I'm tentatively planning on going down there Thursday for the first day of Redskins training camp. But uh, that is always subject to scheduling uh, for me and for my other jobs and so on and so forth. So if we can't make it down there, we'll bring you all the news and nuggets and information and press conferences and everything that we can uh, bring you from Redskins Training camp. All right, so let's get to it uh, on this edition, episode number 269. Episode number 269. Um, a story that we didn't, I didn't know about this, quite honestly, until Friday, I think. Um, so I did not hear this. Uh, but at a sports con ni- 2019 convention uh, in Dallas last weekend, uh, I guess it's it's kind of like Comic Con, uh, just from a sports and memorabilia and trading card perspective, I guess, um, in Dallas, uh, and this is via Patrick Walker of Twenty Four Seven Sports uh, and through ProFootballTalk dot com found this story. Talked about this on the radio on One Hundred Six Seven The Fan on Sunday uh, with my partner Tom Lavero, and I wanted to bring it up here on the Locked on Redskins podcast to kind of get your perspective and to give you my perspective. Uh, And if you want to email me, it's russellmania09 at gmail.com, russellmania09 at gmail.com. If you always, you know, want to tweet, um, of course, at Locked Redskins uh, or at russellmania621, at russellmania621, the podcast, and all sorts of Redskins news and nuggets on Locked Redskins, at Locked Redskins, and of course the entire NFL covered for you at Locked on NFL Net. The story was from Adrian Peterson, who of course should know a thing or two about working with quarterbacks and what makes an offense go and what's important at the age of 34, back for a second year in the NFL. He knows that experience is important. He knows that understanding and command of the offense is important. He also understands that while he has an individual goal of becoming the NFL's all-time leading rusher, which I just don't see how he's going to get, but maybe he'll surprise us and continue to amaze us uh, with his on-field attributes and talent. But I think he wants to win, and I think he wants to win a Super Bowl, of course, uh, before he retires. 
and he hasn't had the opportunity to do that. And Adrian Peterson looks at it as how do I give myself and how do I give my team the best chance to do that? Well, unless I'm misinterpreting what he said at this SportsCon 2019 edition um, via Patrick Walker of 24 Sports, he's basically saying, hey, listen, Case Keenum should be the starting quarterback. He said, quote, and again, everything is could be in different contexts. With Case Keenum, the quarterback runs everything, right? Peterson then continued. He said, offensively, we look really good with Case Keenum back there. He's a veteran. He's been in the league for a long, a long time. He's a gunslinger. He's a guy that's going to throw the ball and spread it around. So that's Case Keenum. That's interesting because, again, Adrian Peterson was here last year with Alex Smith, with Colt McCoy, with Josh Johnson, saw it all. And he's saying, hey, look, Case Keenum at 31 with 54 games of starting experience and what I've seen before in the league and what I've seen so far through OTAs, Case Keenum, we look really good with him out there. And he's a veteran who knows what he's doing, and even though he's new to the system uh, and he's still getting comfortable comfortable himself, he knows how to do a lot of the things that are expected and asked out of an NFL quarterback. He said of Dwayne Haskins, while he's high on him, right, he says, basically, look, all he needs is time. Quote, having Haskins back there, too. I'm looking forward to seeing what he'll do in training camp. Once he gets more under his belt and becomes more comfortable, he'll be able to play faster as well. Notice how he doesn't criticize Dwayne Haskins, nor should he. But notice how he is quick to point out, look, while I'm looking forward to see what he'll do in training camp, clearly all he has to go on is what he saw in OTAs, which is a quarterback that was a little bit overwhelmed and a quarterback that's not ready and a quarterback that's trying to learn the system and a quarterback that needs time and a quarterback that doesn't have everything mastered yet. Command, cadence, call, play call, playbook, what they're asking, the footwork, mechanics, all of that stuff. He says, quote, once he gets more under his belt and becomes more comfortable, he'll be able to play faster as well, end quote. We heard from Jay Gruden a couple of weeks ago during one of the OTA sessions about Dwayne Haskins not being able to spit out the right verbiage and not being able to get everybody on the same page at the line of scrimmage to the point where the Redskins had to kill a couple of plays. Again, all of this is normal. All of this is perfectly understandable. All of this is what you would expect out of a rookie quarterback. Can some of it be fixed? Yes. Can some of it get better? Yes. Can all of it be fixed and get better to be ready for week one? Maybe, but it's a real outside possibility, in my opinion. To truly have command of the offense, to truly be comfortable, to truly understand what is being asked of him in terms of, again, footwork, mechanics, arm angle, all that stuff. Calling out play. every Reading, diagnosing, pre-snap, post-snap. There's a lot going on. And this is why it is absolutely imperative that the Redskins allow Dwayne Haskins to develop with more time so that he can mentally master everything 
before he or as he tries to physically master everything. You cannot do both and do both extremely well under the circumstances that he finds himself in with basically 10 practices. And then obviously a full training camp and preseason games. And certainly he is going to get better. I just still don't think it's enough time. Every quarterback that I've ever talked to, they say, and I remember Rex Grossman once telling me this, and others have said the same thing. Kirk Cousins, I know, has told me this and has told everybody this. From year one to year two, that's where you see the biggest leap. When you go through your rookie year and you're getting your feet wet, you're kind of learning and you're absorbing and you're trying to just get through it and you're trying to not master it, but you're trying to get familiar with it, comfortable with it, and make it work. And everybody's situation is different. Some play, some don't play, a lot play. Uh, maybe some start from week one. Maybe some, like Baker Mayfield, didn't start until a couple weeks into the season, week three last year. You learn your greatest. You learn your best. You learn the most, and you feel most comfortable as a quarterback and as a player, too, year one to year two. That offseason, meaning this upcoming offseason, we're already looking ahead. That's where you feel the most comfortable. That's where I expect Dwayne Haskins to really excel. I fully expect Dwayne Haskins, and so does the world, to start and play games this year. And we know, barring some sort of dramatic injury, he will be the starter unquestionably, I think, in week one of 2020. I mean, I can't say there's no chance that anybody else will, but 99% sure. But this year is this year. You don't need Dwayne Haskins to start week one. And basically, Adrian Peterson is telling you as much. And if you don't listen to me, and if you don't listen to your head coach, Jay Gruden, who's going to privately tell you and find ways through the media to tell you that Dwayne Haskins isn't ready to go for week one, despite some of the politically correct things he'll say, to also make it seem like he doesn't have an agenda, the bottom line is is Dwayne Haskins is not ready to play, is not ready to go, and he shouldn't be right now. He obviously hasn't even gone through training camp, but I don't think his I don't think my spin on this, my I don't I don't think my spin on this and my uh evaluation of this is going to change that much during training camp of the four preseason games or three preseason games. Maybe it will. Maybe he'll look so much better. Dwayne Haskins is going to have to look enormously better than Case Keenum and Colt McCoy because McCoy knows the system. Case Keenum knows the league, and he's been in seven different systems. And he said this system much more familiar in terms of his ability to kind of relate and and, kind of assimilate to. So that's where we're at right here in terms of what Adrian Peterson had to say. And again, by the way, I think it was the right thing for Adrian Peterson to say. It was the right thing for Adrian Peterson to say. Uh, And I also think he was speaking for the locker room, and he may have been speaking for the head coach. It's very clear football people understand how difficult the position is. It's very clear that football people, smart people, understand putting Dwayne Haskins on the road in Philadelphia week one, home for the Dallas Cowboys week two, Monday night football week three, 
so on and so forth, is a brutally difficult task. It's a difficult task for everyone, for anyone. It's really hard for a rookie, really hard. And again, it's not a rookie with 25 games of starting experience at Ohio State. It's 13 games. So please remember that. I had zero problem at all with what Adrian Peterson had to say. I think he said it perfectly. I think he speaks for a lot of people. This is nothing against Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins is going to play faster, better, and be better, and more accurate, more comfortable as time goes along. He's smart enough. He's good enough. He's talented enough. This is not a criticism of Dwayne Haskins. This is a simple, he can't possibly be ready the way some people think he's just automatically going to be ready. That's not accurate. That's not fair. All right, this is episode number 269 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. I am your host, uh, Chris Russell. Make sure you check out uh, episode number 268 as well. Uh, We gave the Redskins some credit for doing a very nice things to celebrate one of their fans' longtime birthdays as well. We featured the offensive line as part of our Redskins pre-training camp unit preview. When we return, we will look at the running backs. Yeah, Adrian Peterson. He's part of that group, right? Where are the rest of the guys? We'll do the running backs next. Plus, we'll have a quick look at the Dallas Cowboys on defense. That's all next right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. All right, we are back. It is episode number 269 of the Locked on Redskins podcast, and we're here to take a look pre-training camp at the running backs for the Washington Redskins. We started the show with Adrian Peterson and his thoughts and comments on both Dwayne Haskins and as well Case Keenum, and we didn't even get to Colt McCoy and that whole situation, which is kind of uh, intriguing and a little bit messy, uh, if you will, for the Washington Redskins. But one area that we think will be a strength, we hope, will be a strength, is the running back group, led by, again, Adrian Peterson. And you have Darius Geis. And you have Samaj P. Ryan. And you have Byron Marshall. And you have Chris Thompson. So let's take a look at this from this perspective Adrian Peterson last year had 12, 1,250 all-purpose yards as both a running back and a receiver. Clearly, most of his damage done as a running back. However, he's, again, 34 years old. So what should we expect out of Adrian Peterson in his second year with the Redskins with a little bit less to prove, if you will, Um And, you know, us kind of not knowing where he's at in terms of his body based on anything more than what we got last year, right? We all understand what we saw last year was pretty amazing considering the quarterback issues, considering the offensive line issues, considering the lack of a real big threat at wide receiver for Adrian Peterson to rack up 1,042 yards and granted, 64 of those on a big game ceiling touchdown run against the New York Giants on the road. 90 of those on that Monday night. I got it. So really, if you take away those two huge explosive runs, Adrian Peterson's numbers aren't as good. But you can't take them away. They're still impressive. They're still there. They're still what you need. So he gave the Redskins 1,042 yards rushing last year. And again, as we mentioned, he also contributed 208 yards as a pass receiver 
uh, including a big catch and run of 52 yards, fumbled, in Arizona against one of his former teams in week one. But Adrian Peterson shouldn't be expected, I don't think, to carry the load for 1,250 uh, 1250 yards uh, again this year. I think if that happens, you're asking him to do too much. You're tempting fate. So ideally for me, what I would love to see, what I would hope is that Adrian Peterson somehow, some way can be in the 900 to 1,000 yard combined total range. Because that would mean he's still productive. He's still, if he has six touchdowns for argument's sake, um, he's still productive. He's still involved. He's still contributing. But it also means that hopefully and ideally Darius Geis was around and able to contribute. And right now that is a big mystery because we just don't know if Darius Geis is going to be healthy. He's coming off the torn ACL, did not participate in the offseason program, then hurts his hamstring, as we told you about earlier this week, reported by Aaron Hawksworth. The bottom line is is we don't know if Darius Geis is going to be able to stay on the field, never mind how good he is. hope he's good. Uh, A lot of people thought he was a mid-to-late first-rounder. Went the late second round, partly because of character concerns. The bottom line is, is Darius Geis has to be a huge contributor for this team to be really good on offense. And we just don't know at this point. Ideally, if you could get seven, eight hundred yards from Darius Geis as a rusher, maybe five, six touchdowns, along with Adrian Peterson saying, you know, if he contributes 800 rushing yards and 150 receiving yards. We said, you know, ideally somewhere between a 900 and 1,000. You have a pretty good tandem, a pretty good one-two tandem. Then you throw in Samanje Ryan, who was in the Chateau Bow Wow, even though Jay Gruden won't say that, last year because he can't play on special teams, he can't hold on to the football, and he only got eight rushing attempts, 32 yards, with a long of 11, and... Only had three catches for five yards. And Jay Gruden keeps saying, oh, you know, I love him. I got to do a better job calling plays. Well, here's the problem. Here's the problem. If he was that good, if he was that special, if he was that reliable, if he was that dependable, you would absolutely find a way. There's no way losing Darius Geis and Chris Thompson for large stretches of the year. There's no way even with Capri Bibbs around for a while, that you can't get Samaje P. Ryan more work, more carries, more looks. He's not doing something right. And I'll tell you what it is, and I told you, well, I told anybody before I even started this podcast, and everyone laughed at me, he's got butterfingers. He can't hold on to the football. And everybody looked at the pure numbers. That, That wasn't what it was. It wasn't about fumbles lost. It wasn't about even pure fumbles. It was... The ball was sliding around in his hands constantly in his rookie year. And that didn't change early on last year. But what did change was his ability to stay healthy because that's why Adrian Peterson was brought in. Not because Darius Geis was lost for the season, but because Samaje P. Ryan was hurt and was going to be out for a couple of weeks midway through the preseason. That's why Adrian Peterson was brought in. And then Samaje P. Ryan could never get back in the rotation. Well, I know Jay Gruden likes him. I know he's not paying him lip service. Again, he was expected to be the number one and starting running back last year when Geis went down. And maybe even if Geis was healthy, he was. This is not just Jay patronizing somebody. But it's put up or shut up time for Sebastian Pirine. 
And basically, he you know looks like he's been playing a little special team, so maybe he'll be more active. Maybe he's more um, able to contribute uh, instead of always being the obvious and easy scratch. I don't know. But the bottom line is, is he needs to contribute big time. And if the Redskins could get a hat trick of running backs, Peterson, Darius Geis, Samaje P. Ryan, to contribute and to be, you know, in the 600 and plus yard range, they'll have a damn good running game. They'll run the ball for over 2,000 yards or pretty damn close to it. And then there's Chris Thompson, who we all know when he's available, he's got the potential to be special. Last year, though, he was lacking that explosion, that pop, that that's something. He had only 43 uh, rushing attempts, 178 yards, a 4-1 average, a long of 16. Uh, as a receiver, he had four, one, 41 catches, 268 yards, 6.5 uh, per, and a touchdown on opening day in Arizona. Uh, Chris Thompson was never right, quite honestly, last year. Uh, I mean, he looked he looked pretty explosive in in week one, but by week two, he already looked slow. He was already running behind. He was already not being able to outchase the Indianapolis Colts' quick, active linebackers. And it never really got better from there. Uh, here's the bottom line. Chris Thompson needs to be healthier. He needs to be better. He needs to be more explosive for the Redskins' offense to look better and more dynamic and more explosive. And that's basically where you leave it. The other guys are all just fi- basically fighting um, you know, for an outside chance at a roster spot, meaning uh, guys like Byron Marshall, who certainly could make it if there's an injury or some sort of changing situation to Geis, Peterson, P. Ryan, or Thompson, Craig Reynolds, and I expect Bryce Love, the fourth-round pick, to open up on the preseason pup list and eventually the season pup list as well. All right, that's going to do it for our running backs preview. When we return, a quick thought and look at the Dallas Cowboys defense. That's next. This is episode number 269 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. Thanks for being with us. All right, it is episode number 269 of the Locked On Redskins podcast. Good to have you with us. I'm your host, Chris Russell. Again, make sure you follow at Locked Redskins, at Locked Redskins. So we finish it up uh, with a quick look at the Dallas Cowboys defense on 268. We gave you a look at the Redskins, uh, the Cowboys on offense. And while that's scary, you know, you can make an argument that their defense, especially in the front seven, is just as scary, if not scarier. Demarcus Lawrence was re-signed to a long-term deal. When healthy, and he's been healthy throughout his career, that's generally a double-digit, 15-ish sack type year per guy year, should say. Um, Robert Quinn, that guy was a first-round pick. If he's right, if he's healthy, and with Demarcus Lawrence on the other side, he's going to be a really good fit, I think, in this scheme with speed off the edge. Oh, and by the way, you blend him in with Taco Charlton, so they'll probably rotate, assuming that Demarcus Lawrence is healthy on the other side, and that'll keep them fresh. That's a lot of pass rush. Malik Collins, a third-round pick back in 2016, he's really been coming on. Mix him in there with veteran Tyrone Crawford and Antoine Woods, not a bad rotational player uh, in the mix there. I think that's a really good defensive line and edge pass rushing group for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, you look at their linebackers, and again, it all starts, and really it all is defined by the explosive Jalen Smith, who a lot of people thought was 
a top three, top five pick a couple of years ago before blowing out his knee. Uh, that guy can roam sideline to sideline. He's ex- fast. He's explosive. Uh, he seems pretty smart. Mix him in there with first-round pick from 2018, Leighton Van Esch. Uh, and it doesn't matter who else is with them at that group, but they still have Sean Lee on the roster, who is as smart and as and as explosive when he's healthy as they come. Um, and Sean Lee's been a good linebacker for a long, long, long time. Just hadn't been able to stay healthy. When he's on the field, he's still really good. So they have three linebackers that you can say, aha, those guys are pro-. Now, none of those guys are necessarily like huge sack artists, but because they have Demarcus Lawrence coming off the edge, they don't necessarily need that. They just run sideline to sideline, and they blow everything up. So you better not run wide on this team because they have the speed to match. Uh, I love the Cowboys' front seven. Uh, I I don't know if it's the best in the NFL, but it's pretty damn good to me. And the Redskins are going to see it week two, and they are going to have all sorts of problems trying to match that speed. Real quickly in the secondary, Byron Jones, a 2015 late first-round pick. Uh, He is pretty good. He's not lights out, but he's pretty good. Uh, Where I think you can certainly move the football a little bit against the Cowboys is against their slot corner, Anthony Brown, uh, and uh, Chidobe Awuzie. Uh, Their other starting cornerback, Jeff Heath, Xavier Woods, George Iloka, their safeties. I think you can move the football against this Cowboys defense through the air if you have time. That's the area of weakness. Not saying they can't cover because, again, they have tremendous talent up front, which makes mediocre talent, mediocre ability on the back end much better. But that's where you're going to be able to have some success. That's where you're going to be able to move the football. And the Redskins did a pretty decent job of that last year. Even in Dallas on Thanksgiving Day, they had a couple of plays where they could have hit some big hitters, and there was contact, and no call was made, and it was very frustrating. And I'm not one of these typical blame-the-referees type people, but it was very clear and very obvious to me in that game that the Redskins got hosed on a bunch of calls. All right, that is going to do it for us right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast, episode number 269. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Hope you had a great weekend wherever you are back. For more and a Redskins Pre-training camp unit preview. We'll do the wide receivers in episode number 270 as we get you set for training camp later on this week right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. Adios.